Welcome to the Talent Rebelcast. My name is Elin Bailey, and along with me is my co-host, Tracy Parsons. Tracy and I have been getting together for what seems like forever now to, well, chit-chat about talent. One day after a few too many cocktails, we thought, what the heck, let's press record. And that's how we got here. We hope you'll listen in and find this a little bit fun, interesting, and just the teeniest bit inspiring. So without further ado, let's get this party started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast of discussions with smart people. We have a very smart person with us today, Tracy. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. By the way, that was the worst. I'm so excited. Let me try that again. I'm so excited because that's really genuinely how I feel about it. I'm so excited. That's all I can do is think like the, um, I got the point. <laughs> well, and then you say that and all I can think of is Kelly Kapowski and, and Saved by the Bell. So we oh, digress so immediately. We age ourselves. There we go. <laughs> so today we have with us the wonderful Lauren Sargent. And uh, she is the co-owner, co-founder and partner of Stories Incorporated. Well, I'm going to let her talk a little bit about who she is and what she does. But before she does that, I do want to say this about her. So I met Lauren, gosh, at least three years ago, three or four years ago. Um, I remember it actually yeah. vividly because it was at, I don't even know what conference it was. So obviously I don't remember that vividly, but I do remember meeting her. <laughs> she was having a dinner and, and I came in and participated because Tracy said that she should talk to me. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, and that was before I hung out too much with Tracy. So I was like, nice to talk to you, but that's cool. I immediately hit it off with, with Lauren and have been excited over the last couple of years to be able to both work with her, but also to connect with her. She has some really interesting stuff to share. She is vibrant, bright, and um, just really brings a joy to what she does, or at least it's perceived as joy. So Lauren, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of what you do, just at a high level. And then we're going to start breaking it down and talking about the nuts and bolts of what it's like to live in this world that we live in today. Great. Yes. I am really so excited to be on this podcast too. Um, and to be that. called smart by, I know, but to be called like smart and you know joyous by two people I really respect is like awesome and makes my whole life. And I do want to say before I introduce myself, Lynn, I also remember when I met you and I asked Tracy, I really want to meet Alin. I think she's your buddy. Could you introduce me? And then I was so excited to meet you. And I, I, as soon as I met you, I said, oh, let's sit next to each other. And then I got so intimidated. I think I actually said three words next to you. Now I got to know you. You're, you're like so not intimidating. You're incredibly smart and giving, but not intimidating would not be a word that I use. I just had held still hold you in high esteem, but especially then. So Tracy, thanks for the intro and for being like the connector of all smart people. And again, thanks for having me on. So yeah, I'm Lauren Sargent. I'm co-founder at Stories, Inc. Uh, I started my career in recruiting. So I was a recruiter for about eight years prior to quitting my job to start Stories, Inc., which my parents thought I was totally bananas because I do not come from a family of entrepreneurs. <laughs> I did not have the person that's saying to me and my family, like, oh yeah, good idea. Go for it. Everyone's like, weird idea. I don't know. Why don't you just stick to what you're good at? You know, that kind of stuff, that kind of thing. <laughs> I was lucky enough to meet someone who I told my idea to, and his name's actually Ed Barrientos. He's now CEO of Brazen, where he said, I think this is a pretty good idea. And like, we, you should do that. So just like one person 
to say that to me amongst the sea of no's and not that my family's not supportive. Like I said, there's just no entrepreneur genes happening. Well, um, and it lacks context in my, in my for them. Up. It lacks context for your family. And if you yeah, don't grow sure. up with entrepreneurs, your, your family's going to look at you like, I don't know, that seems risky. <laughs> Right. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. My dad, my dad, about healthcare. I mean, that would be what my family would say right off the bat. Like, well, what about like, is there like a 401k with that plan? Mm-hmm. How does that work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you, are you going to be able to eat with that idea? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, my dad's like, seriously, the accountant, he is a career accountant, but he does his taxes like December 30th before the forms are even released to him type of a planner. (laughs) So like that thought of like, go do it. And again, he's, and now that it's, you know, seriously 10 years later, since I quit my job, he's incredibly supportive, always asked how he can help, always wants to know how things are going. I mean, he's very supportive, but it's just, you know, that you're right. Just to say that it seemed like a bananas idea. I do have to add that context of they're supportive now. It's just like from left field. It just felt like from left field for them. Anyway, yeah, like I said, 10 years later. <laughs> yeah, this is like an odd question, but um, Lauren, do you, have, uh, do you have siblings? I do. I have an older brother. So I'm posing this question. It's a, it's a controversial question. Do you think they would have reacted differently um, if your brother had come and said this versus you? Good question. And I think the answer would be no, just because he did. He's a chemist, works okay. for Procter & Gamble. He's he's taken a very traditional path. Yeah. But earlier on, he did want to buy a bar. And he asked my, I'm just getting real deep right away. He asked my parents bar. for money. He had worked at a bar while he was in school. And then the ownership was changing and he wanted to buy the bar. So he went to my parents and asked if he could get a loan. And they said no. and again I shouldn't laugh because that's like devastating to him and like you know but the truth is that they just felt like that's that's also an untraditional path but you are studying chemistry you're so smart and bright like to buy a bar seems insane yeah but I do think that there's other things that they definitely you know would um because he's a dude there are definitely other areas where they would probably have reacted differently had he made the choices I made for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I just, yeah. I just a curious question I have as I, as I think about this, I'm an only child. So my experience and reflection on these things is usually based on, you know, I just, I just assume my parents are crazy and I love them, but they're <laughs> absolutely insane human beings. As everybody on this call on this pod right now is a parent. I can say from firsthand experience that all parents are crazy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Our perception of what we expect and want from our children is it's insane. I, I catch myself all the time. I think that's I just think it's interesting how we how how we reflect back on that and what it feels like when we start to go off on our own. I oh, agree. Yeah. And I think about things that I things that I have thought for years about the experience of growing up and my parents and then how very easily my children could have the same perception of me, even if though the intention may have been differently. So yeah, it's very interesting to think about your recollection growing up. And then now you have this opportunity to do things differently. And so many things are turning out the same. <laughs> Isn't it true? Isn't it true? I mean, I um, yeah. grew up in a um, military brat, grew up in a, in a military household and it was, but it was very structured. There's a lot of kind of hierarchy in our world in general, right? It was very structured. So I was like tailor-made for corporate America. Um, the idea that there are there is a chain of command and this is how you get things done, right? That was very much framed in that way. And I remember the one time that I did try and go off. So there's been a couple of times I've taken untraditional routes in my career where I have quit what they thought was a sure thing 
because I want to do something different. You've gone to maybe a smaller startup company. I've done that in a couple of spaces or left with no job ready to go and looking to find something else because I want to do something else. And the one time I tried to start my own business, every one of those occasions, I did not tell them I was going to do it. And I did not tell them <laughs> until I was like solid into what I was doing because I instinctively knew that this was, that was, that was just too much for them to be able to handle Right. That they just say, yeah. I knew not to not to say anything. This is a generally fascinating group of people if you think about our backgrounds, right? So mm-hmm. Lauren, it sounds like your dad was a professional. And Elin, your dad was in the military. Mm-hmm. And my dad was a factory worker. And his dad was a coal miner. So my parents had no idea what I was talking about 90% of the time when I was entering my career. Like I remember writing my first website and showing it to my parents and they were just like, I don't understand what's happening here. (laughs) For me to come from a coal miner and a factory worker to my own business is really remarkable, but we did not have the hierarchy that we had, that you had in your house. And, and, you know, we were, we were willy nilly bunch. I think that influences my business. (laughs) (laughs) willy-nilly is exactly how I would define you Tracy it's interesting because you talked about like being built for corporate America because of structure but aren't you also like moving every two years because I have a personality disorder. <laughs> oh, no, no, I mean, I mean, what, <laughs> I just growing up, like with the army family, like, yeah. weren't you like moving every two years? Like your, your family was moving because you're in the army. Like, oh, army. Yeah, no. oh, yeah. So that's led to a couple of the things about my nature, which always kind of shocks people. Right. So I, one, am very comfortable with change. Right. But yeah. change within the rules. They're structured. Like, because, you know, for those who aren't from a military background, you know, when you would move from one base to another, it didn't matter whether we were living in New Jersey or living in Germany or we lived in Saudi, et cetera. Every base pretty much looks the same. It's like building a grocery store, right? They do this on purpose. Like, you always know where you're going to find the bowling alley. All the, you know, <laughs> things are kind of structured in the same. Yeah framework. And so even though I was in different locations, there was always a sense of familiarity around it. And everybody that I was around had the same experience. They all were movers too, right? Because everybody kind of shifted and moved. So the idea to go someplace with structure and then to immediately find a comfort zone, find a rhythm, right? That's something I'm very comfortable with. Um, but the thing that freaks people out in the real world now for, for with, pe- with me is that when it's time for me to leave and I move to the next space, I could have been like um, deeply vested and committed to what I was doing and the people I was working with and, and all these sorts of things. But when it's time to do the next thing, I'm ready to move. I, I'm, I'm it's very over. much. You yeah. shut it off. Yeah. yeah, I shut it off. And it's not, a per- I'm not trying to be mean. I don't, I just don't, you know, I'm on to the next thing because it's kind of like I compartmentalize. Uh, that's why I'm, the really close friends I have, like like you guys who have had over a course of years is is few because I'm not good at, boy, I feel like I'm in therapy. I'm not good at that, Lauren really hard for me. <laughs> and then there's really, me laughing at your pain. Well, I had a really close friend, probably one of the only friends in my life that I met and immediately like were very, very close. And so it was like not a long time. But it was an intense time of friendship. Uh-huh. And then I moved. So I knew him for a year and then I'm moving. And as I'm packing my car, he says to me, I'm not going to come visit you. This is pretty much goodbye. I don't do friendships with people I don't see every day. And I was like, 
wow, that's so honest. <laughs> I'm like, I was planning that you were going to come visit me and I was going to come visit you. And like, where this was going to be a lifetime friendship. And he's like, no, this is kind of it. This is the moment, you know, where we had together and best of luck to you. I love you. You know, see ya. And that's really, it's like, I've been, I'm kind of the opposite where I hold on to things. You know, my best friends have been my best friends since seventh grade in college. And I hold on for a long time, maybe in, a, in ways that I wish I had, you know, should have maybe let, let go a little bit. But that's also kind of like the same with running a company. Like, I can't even imagine myself doing, seriously imagine myself doing anything else. <laughs> like, I'm like, this is it. I'm just kind of like, it's hard for me to just shut it off like you, like, where you're like, okay, this was great. Now I'm right. on to the next thing that I'm going to be, you know, on. Exactly. So yeah. that's really interesting. Next, next show's at 930. Yeah. So I wondered, this is interesting, we were talking about how we all have um, kind of different uh, stories and um, experiences starting our own companies and working out on our own. So as I've mentioned before, and I've mentioned on the pod before, I tried this once. It was a dismal failure, mainly because I realized that um, I, there are certain things I don't like doing. I don't like hustling for business. I don't like, I'm not, that. I just, you know, I do not, I couldn't move it myself to it. But what's interesting is I didn't have a stick to itness with it. It was easy enough for me to realize it wasn't working. I probably realized too quickly, like where I decided too quickly it wasn't working. And I already started to work on plan B and an exit strategy to go. I'm wondering if for you guys, one of the reasons why you're successful and have have built these really interesting businesses that have been evolving and growing over time. Is it it's interesting that you say you can't imagine doing something else. Have you has there ever been a moment or, or are there moments where you're like, I'll just you never mind. I'll start working on another plan. Or are you just always deep in it? Well probably the worst moment in Stories Inc. history, the worst moment for me, and it's good that we're talking about the terrible ones. It's been great moments too. Was when I was in I was like seven months pregnant, I flew across the country with my partner, Scott, for a meeting that like right before we left, the person said, hey, I've been like laid off from this job. This was supposed to be like a final thing that we were really excited about. And we found out the day before that like, it's not going to happen. But I'm like, let's just go out anyway. Anyway, this trip was so disastrous. It was like one thing after another that just was not working out. And it was during a pretty pivotal pivotal time in our business where we had just decided to double down on recruitment marketing where we used to do content across the entire employee life cycle. We had decided to focus on this one particular area. We knew it was going to be like a drop and then a, you know, hopefully like success. But over lunch at this kind of disastrous trip with Scott, who's one of my very best friends, basically said to me, if this doesn't work out, what should we do? And I was devastated. I was like, if this doesn't work out, like that doesn't that doesn't come into my mind. And then I'm like, oh, could this not work out? And then we did discuss it. And I was like crying. <laughs> you know, yeah, I've tried to put probably five times as one of them where I'm just like, oh my God, the world felt like it was crashing just with that idea. So I'd say I'm pretty in it to potentially, you know, things are working out for me now, but to a detriment, if this kept failing, I wouldn't have quit. And there's something to be said for knowing when, you know, it's not going to work out and time to move on to something else. I think it's helpful to know the stat that entrepreneurs pivot 2.8 times before they find the thing that works. So I think that that's like, okay, here's the one, you know, here's the one thing I've got one more chance. Like I'll always have that in my mind, but yeah, that's a long story. Tracy, what about you? How are you like in your business, totally in it, focused, or are you also like, 
hey, there's other things I could do. I'm so deep in it. I was writing nurture emails for a customer today. <laughs> <laughs> I was back to harassing. I was like, how do you want people to do that now? People to do that? I was like, yeah, but I just, oh. So I'm so in it. And, he, and here's what's interesting, Lauren, hearing that 2.8 pivots. The only time I left the company, and I think one of the things that people might not know is that my company has been around since 2008. And my company was started so that I, my husband and I could split a full-time job and take care of our son. It was not, it was nothing more nefarious than that. It was looking at the situation saying, we have one kid, we only want to do this once and nobody wanted to miss anything. So how can we be creative about this? And then, so we started a company and I called three former customers and they all hired me and we have a company. Yeah, Tracy, so, you're like incredible for so many reasons, but one is that even this is in 2008 before this is even, what do I know? Maybe it was always been a thing, but it seems like recently it's been, you know, the forefront of conversation. But even that, back then, you're kind of one of the first people to, to think that through, like, okay, I don't want to miss a moment. Let's figure out how, and then you just figure it out. It sounds so easy. Um, that's really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's super not easy. No, it's super <laughs> not easy. There were lots of there were lots of like, okay, well, how is this going to work, and what are we going to do? And and it was not easy. It was our kind of difficult. I don't mind hustling. Like when I was working with the agency back early in my career, one of the things that I was told very early on is that you must really like making shit up and selling it. And I was like, I actually do. I actually really like just making some shit up and then selling it. Exactly, exactly. Shit dealer Tracy. But even that sounded easy. And it's so not easy. It was like, oh, I do like to make shit up and sell it. It is so not easy, but that makes it seem like, I guess that that's also the beauty of you where you can simplify things into like a statement. But I know how hard sales is. I mean, it's really, really hard. Right. Um, well, you, you're my guide on that stuff. Like, I think that's so funny that I'm a trained <laughs> marketer and the number of times I'll call Lauren Sargent, Lauren, I have this email. I don't know if I should send it. Can I send it to you first? And you can tell me what's terrible about it. Like the, and so for me, that's what it's like being a women entrepreneur. It's having the right circle of people to call when you're, when you know you're wrong or you're feeling vulnerable or it seems dumb that you can call and say, is this dumb? And they'll either go, yeah, that's totally dumb. Do not make that shit up and sell it. Um, or, or go ahead and send that email. Right, right. And now, now, now. Yeah. So how did you guys, so I'm interested in understanding how you guys met, but I think you're onto something here, um, Tracy. I mean, I think that's part of the value statement of um, connecting with other other women helping women and kind of in that space, right? I'm sure it's not just women helping women, but in general, there's this kind of sense of connection. How did you find that network? How do people who are saying, I'm going to dive into this and go do it, how do they start to make those connections and find those people? Actually, a harder question than you may think it is. <laughs> yes, seriously, when did you turn into, I mean, just did you turn into Barbara Walters? Like, huh? dude. <laughs> well, I haven't made anybody cry yet, so we're cool. Yeah, I think I'm just now, honestly, I'm just now finding connections with women entrepreneurs like Tracy and Lori Sylvia and Susan Strayer Lamont. Like there's, but I'd say Scott has been my, like every discussion, everything. It hasn't been a woman entrepreneur. It's been my partner. And in fact, 
Mm. I was going to a couple of years ago, actually right before the pandemic, I was feeling a little stuck. And I thought to myself, maybe I should hire a coach. Maybe, you know, something's, something's missing. And then I asked one of my mentors, like I've hired, I've interviewed a couple coaches. I haven't quite found a fit. I don't know if that's the right thing. And this is a seasoned entrepreneur. And he said to me, I think what you need is just more time with other entrepreneurs in your space. And he's like, I would start doubling down with your time with Scott, who I spend like months all the time with. But then he and I, on that advice, he and I now hike every Friday morning. We go for like a really long, no distractions, talk about everything that's happening in our business. And that was enough for me. Plus then adding some of the other women entrepreneurs, especially, I think what really, what really did set me off to opening up to more women business owners and, you know, asking for advice is COVID for sure. because. You know, everyone's going through like a crisis and you just really need a bunch of outlets. <laughs> right. So like, what are you seeing? What are you thinking? You know, it was just, so I'd say that probably is really what prior to, you know, prior to COVID, I, I probably was not talking to a lot of women entrepreneurs to connect, but I do have a long memory. And I know when I met Tracy, which is I, you know, pitched Smashfly was a big influence on us, just like as an education, like learning about our industry. Alin, that's how I really got introduced to you with some of the things that you were doing and talking about. And um, we presented to Tracy over the phone. And, you know, Tracy, your LinkedIn used to be, I don't know if it still is, but like, you know, Ray of Sunshine. And it was yeah, just bring all positivity. Sunshine. Yeah. Bring her well. sunshine. And, and I got to say, in early days, and this was early, this was 2015. Again, I have a long yeah. memory, so I do know it was 2015. Tracy, like, you remember every positive supportive person in those early days and you never forget it and you want to bring them along with you the rest of your life <laughs> so having Tracy be on a call and be like oh this is cool great idea and what do you have you thought about this and that thought about that you know it's just was invaluable so anyway that's a long again I'm kind of a long storyteller type person but Tracy what would you say about connecting with other women entrepreneurs and like finding the network of people that you can run things by how has that been for you so for me, I go back to my history. Like when you've been doing the thing that I do for as long as I do, people that have worked with me in the past, I will call people like Tisha Leslie in the in the dead of, you know, like at 11 o'clock at night, my time and be like, I have this thing that I need to talk to you about. And she'll be like, okay. I always keep significant people throughout my career. So like Tisha and Janine Bulesbach and Elise DeLang, people that I worked with at Smash Live, people that I worked with TMP. And then believe it or not, like, Twitter, of all the damn things, I've connected right. with more freaky, awesome women on Twitter <laughs> than, than I can say. Like Sarah White has been an absolute godsend to me and to work drive with advice, Madeline Lorano, you know, Susan Vitali, like people that I've worked with in my career that I always just felt so comfortable with that. I can ask them dumb questions and not feel dumb. And that's how you have to find your, how you have to find your network. Like who can you actually be vulnerable to and ask questions that you might feel are really dumb? And who do you trust to poke holes in things? When I left working for myself to go to Smashfly, that exit was directly correlated to being tired of wearing 62 hats, right? So there is a moment in a business and again, ours was started to raise a kid and then we got bigger than we could handle, but not big enough to hire people, right? And so 
it got to be like, I am so tired of chasing down dead invoices. I am so tired of sending these things. I'm so, you know what I mean? So I was, you know, calling, calling my network and I called Mike Hennessy and he was like, you should come work here. And I was like, holy crap, that would be great. And it was, it was a quick phone call turn. And then when I was ready to exit, like when I was exiting Smashly, I was just, you know, I was very transparent with the team. I was like, I've done everything I set out to do with you guys. This is a natural end point. But then I placed like probably four phone calls. Lynn was one of them. I believe Lauren was another one. Mm-hmm. You both were people that I was calling to say, Hey, I'm thinking about leaving and going back to working for myself. And this is what I'm thinking about working on. And, and everybody was, was so gracious and so grateful. And out of those phone calls, I got the first two contracts that floated us for a good, good six, eight months. I think the theme of that underneath all of that is it's about this level of um, not only building trusted connections, but finding a space where you can move from being kind of uh, having a being in that kind of that business formal frame that we're in kind of like that. And when we start to move into being our authentic selves and those connections start to become much more deeper and valuable. I agree with you about the Twitter thing, by the way, Tracy. I did not realize when I first started kind of getting into that space, um, it was probably around that 15, 16, 20, 15, 2016 time period, that the value to me would be eventually learning how to just have a different type of authentic conversation, which then yep. for somebody who is, I know this shocks people sometimes. I am an introvert by nature, right? So Mm -hmm. yeah, put me in front of a crowd of like 500 people. I'm great because I don't know those people and they don't know me and I don't have to get right. I can do a thing. Put me in front of like one or two people. And I'm like the little person behind this. I can't talk now. I have nothing to say. And finding outlets like Twitter and other places where I could feel like I could have conversations, but be somewhat anonymous and then eventually come out as as who I was, was really important for building connections. (laughs) I've gotten so old. My field of fucks is empty anymore. That was not what I expected you to say, Tracy. No, I'm going to be honest. I am also an introvert that shocks the shit out of people because they see me and they're like, well, you're so, you know, you're so open and connected. And I, I finally am able to say to people now in my current fuckless age of plus 50 of going, oh, no, sweetie, my anxiety just takes over. Yeah, exactly. It's like my my anxiety feels just like I'm I'm up on the rafters, right? Or like yeah, that's the I, anxiety. Mm-hmm. That's right. Or like yeah. if I'm at a part of the reason why I've been so focused on this concept of finding people to connect with. And for me, it has been a, a connection of women who are in struggling and doing the same sorts of things and having the same sorts of conversations. There's been depth there is... I'll, I'll use an example, like we go to these conferences, right? And, you know, it's especially if you're if you're there from a from a corporate saying, but I'm sure even from a entrepreneur saying when you're running your business, it is like you're on 24 hours. I mean, it's like, you know, shaking hands, smiling. You have to, you know, say the right thing, do the right thing. So that's exhausting for an introvert. I mean, it's like being on stage for 24 hours a day. So to be able to find those people that you can connect with and that you can recharge with and be yourself around for pockets of time is so important. And to be able to do that and, and to be able to translate that into day-to-day life has been really critical. Yeah, I was always the one who was like departing, like, yeah, I'm going to, you guys go ahead and go to that session. I need to go sit in my room with the lights off and just <laughs> I can come back downstairs. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be under the covers. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Well, and Lauren, Lauren has been a godsend to me 
you know, over the course of knowing her from 2015 on, there's just so much light that exists in Lauren. I'm going to embarrass you for a second. And I hope it doesn't embarrass you. It should. It should not. There's a light to her because you know she's doing the thing that she should be doing. And and she feels, and, and Lauren, just watching you work with customers and watch you work with prospects and watch you work with anybody in the industry is truly joyful. And I don't, you probably don't know oh. this, but I, I legitimately study you when you're working with customers. So I'm like, okay, what can I take away from this and up-level my game? The lesson learned there is, is Lauren just nods at me and goes, that's interesting about how we could do that. Whereas you look at me and go, okay, you're full of shit. <laughs> right. So like there's, the, I, I have a, I have a Dr. Evil in me with it just most times goes, how about no? No, how about, <laughs> how about no? No, it's not true. You're awesome to work with as well. I, um, yeah, well, I, you are, I otherwise I, I wouldn't have worked with you as long as I have or been connected to you as long. I just, you guys are amazing people. This has been a fun, this has been a, a fun conversation. I think that we need to have more of these conversations. I'm glad that we're starting to have them and to bring people along. You know, one of the things, Lauren, that um, Tracy and I are starting to, or trying to kind of kick off is expanding this community of people who can have a safe place to have just kind of these honest conversations and not necessarily be talking business and sales and just be talking about what's it like to Mm -hmm. work in this space and to feel like we can have these dialogues. So um, we're hoping that people will come and come and join and, and participate more in those. Um, We've got a Facebook group off and running, doing a good job at all of moderating. Our goal is really kind of going towards the end of this year to start to build that out. And it's primarily for women supporting women in this space. To me, this is an important um, space. You know, I think I'm appreciative of all of you entrepreneurs who are out there doing that work. And for people like me who've decided that um, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and not an entrepreneur, I think learning. You are very entrepreneurial. Yeah, for sure. You've got it in you. So I I feel like it's like you're saying us versus us. We're in a different bucket than you, but I know you bring a lot of that spirit to your work. I think it's a different way we can support each other, right? I think I had an aha moment um, probably about six months or so ago, maybe more like eight months ago, when I realized, you know, I keep having all these great conversations with people and I literally am in the position to support and help. And I don't, and I, and I'm always worried about people being um, concerned that I, because these relationships that I build are some become friend relationships and not just business relationships. I spent a lot of time worrying about people being, um, thinking I was bringing my friends in versus bringing great business partners in. And I think learning to reframe that and to say, no, 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 they're friends because they're great business people. And that's what I enjoy doing as well. And let's connect together and finding business for each other and connecting is really important. So I'm hoping we can continue that out. So people who want to join us can reach out at the Talent Rebel Alliance. Talent (laughs) Rebel Alliance. TalentRebelAlliance.com. Um, We're also on Facebook at the Talent Rebel Alliance. You can come and join it. And I swear people get in there. We'll start to moderate and do it. How can people get a hold of you, Lauren, and and, and connect with you more? Oh, well, definitely I'm Twitter. I know that that you ladies do it all. But Twitter was, you know, said a lot. I'm more LinkedIn, definitely all day long. So on LinkedIn, Lauren Sargent, Lauren with a Y, like Lauren Hill, um, or email Lauren with a Y at storiesincorporated.com either way, but I'm definitely on LinkedIn almost all day long. Awesome. <laughs> Which awesome. isn't like a cool thing to say, but it's true. 
<laughs> no, it's true. I'm there too. I can't, I can't help it. I, I feel like sometimes I, this is where like, so I'm on Twitter because I pretend I'm cool, but the truth is I'm really on LinkedIn because I'm so old school. I can't stop myself. So it's like a, yeah, I'm just this, yeah. like, I know that one. Yeah, but I know, I know, I I know myself. Yeah. It's okay. I understand. I'm there. <laughs> No, awesome. Yeah. This has been so much fun, Lauren. Thank you for being so with us. Much Thank fun. you for having Jump on and with no um, pre-warning of there, no, <laughs> no script, no framed questions and let the conversation go because I think there's a conversation we need to have. So thank you very much. Thank you, Tracy, oh, as thank always. You. Thank you, Alin. Thanks for expanding this footprint. I love these conversations. Lauren, thank you for being the, the first to join us and we are looking Ooh, forward to many more conversations. Awesome. Yeah. Very yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Fancy. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to everybody later. Thank you. Talk Bye to now. You later. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed yourself. The Talent Rebel Cast is part of the Talent Rebel Alliance. It's a movement connecting strong, independent, bossy, and, well, sometimes feisty women in the talent industry. Together, we're on a mission to grow our ideas, our presence, our value, and our impact. Smart women connecting with smart women to support each other. It's as simple as that. We believe big things happen from simple ideas. If you want to join the Talent Rebel Alliance, come on over and check out our website at talentrebelalliance.com. We hope to hear from you soon. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.